great socks and shoes, Finn said aloud, dizzy with the sweet intoxication of the sea. Why, a man could bottle this wondrous stuff and sell it in every foul alley, every dank and smoky town. There's a fortune to be had in pure, uncontaminated air. What's that now, lad? Were you speaking to me, Master Finn? Finn looked up to find Captain Magritte in his path, boots spread wide, poised upon the deck with perfect ease. Just muttering, sir, taking in the air. And a lovely fine day it is, too. Never been to sea before. I'll bet I'm safe in saying that. No, sir, my very first time. Aye, then you've never heard the wind shriek in the shrouds, never seen a fifty-foot wave coming at you in the night. My heavens, no. Neither have I. Hope to hell I never do. Finn, clad in ordinary clothing, putty-colored trousers, gray flaxen shirt, broad belt and ankle boots, felt much like a common sparrow next to the dapper Magritte. The captain was a colorful sight indeed, dressed in the customary garb of an officer at sea. Ruffled crimson shirt, harlequin knickers, and a fancy plumed hat. Finn, without meaning to criticize, felt that this radiant attire was somewhat out of sorts on a short stub of a man like Magritte, a globular fellow with stumpy legs and scarcely any neck at all. Tanned, parched, seared by the weather and the years, his skin was dark and furrowed as a nut. His nose was a great inflammation, a monstrous knob that looked as if tiny red spiders had spun their webs there. Finn guessed, with little hesitation, that the captain was wed to Madame Rum, the curse of many a man who went to sea. And how fares your, eh? Whatever it be, Master Finn, said Magritte, studying the deck for a moment, then facing Finn again. I hope you don't take offense, sir. I don't mean to pry. Certainly not. None taken, Finn said. He was, in fact, greatly surprised Magritte had kept his silence this long, as they'd been a sail for half a week. What I thought is, the captain said, rubbing a sleeve across his nose. I thought, with the salt air and all, the air. Uh, object on your shoulder there, that's the thing I mean, might be prone to oxidation, to rust as it's commonly called. Indeed, I've been some curious, as others have as well, just what it might be. What you speak of is a lizard. I design and craft lizards of every sort. Lizards for work, lizards for play, lizards for the rich and poor alike. I make them of metal, base and precious too, sometimes with finery, sometimes with gems. The one you see here is made of copper, tin, iron, and bits of brass. The captain closed one squinty eye, looked at Finn's shoulder, then looked away again. And these? Lizards? What exactly do they do, Master Finn? Oh, a great number of things, Finn said. When we have some time, I'd be pleased to explain. It might be I can make one for you. Yes, well, this one, now, this one is somewhat unique. This one is strictly ornamental. It really does nothing at all. Ornamental, you say? Judging by the captain's expression, he had little use for ornamental things of any sort. Well, then, I wish you a good day, sir. Enjoy your voyage aboard the Madeline Rose. I surely will, Finn said. The captain turned and walked aft, ducked in a passageway, and disappeared below. Ornament, am I? 
Doesn't do anything at all, said a voice like a croak, like a rattle, like a saw cutting tin. A fine thing that is, Finn. Shut up, Finn said. There are ears everywhere. You can't talk, Julia. Try and remember that. Oh, I'll remember it all right. Next time you need Julia Jessica Slag to save your neck from some terrible assault, to drag your bony flakes out of the fire, to- With nary a glance, Finn tapped a copper scale at the tip of a brassy tail. Julia gave a hiss and a scrook, and went silent at once. <sighs> there are times, Finn sighed to himself, when a man takes pride in his work, when he knows he is a master of his craft. Then there are times when he wonders why he didn't choose an ordinary trade, like magic or the law, some dreary task that takes scarcely any skill at all.